From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. In a fire involving five cars occurred yesterday morning in the Juneau Valley. An investigation by Capital City Fire and Rescue and Juneau Police is underway. On Tuesday morning at about 5 a.m., CCFR received a report of a vehicle on fire on Alpine Street in the parking lot next to Mendenhall Auto. Upon arrival, fire personnel found there were five vehicles in various stages of burning. Fire Marshal Dan Jagger said one car was fully involved in the fire and was starting to move on to the vehicles next to it. A fourth vehicle was affected and heat was beginning to impact the fifth car. They were on a lot, so they were all parked right next to each other within close proximity of each one. So once you get one going, the uh, plastics, the upholstery, everything inside starts going and that'll generate enough heat that it'll break out windows on the other one and it'll transfer into that vehicle's interior. Um, we're still trying to track down if there's any kind of video footage that shows how this all went down, but uh, basically that's how it happens. It's kind of a chain reaction. And, of course, as one car turns into two, into three, the amount of heat that's coming off of that um, mass just intensifies things. The fire was extinguished. There were no injuries. And the five cars are considered totaled. Jagger said there was no one in the area upon arrival. He said they have not ruled out the fire being intentional. Well, we haven't ruled it out. I mean, given the fact that there were supposed to be vehicles parked on a lot, um, they don't just ignite on their own. So uh, we're definitely looking at it as an intentional thing. But again, we're still trying to gather more information and stuff and, and see if that's you know the route we need to take or not. Okay. Um, and we're just hoping that somebody driving around or in the area might know something about it. Meanwhile, Monday's fire on La Perouse Street is still under investigation. CCFR and JPD are asking individuals with information to contact the department at 586-0600 or Jagger at 586-5322, extension 4323. Eagle Crest Ski Area has announced that the Pulse Gondola is officially in transit. General Manager Dave Scallon has been in Austria overseeing the loading of Eagle Crest's new gondola. The shipping trucks have made the two-day trip from Austria to Antwerp, Belgium, where the gondola began the sea voyage towards the lower 48. Once they reach the U.S., ships will offload in Virginia, where the containers will be moved to rail transportation. It will take about 15 to 20 days for them to reach the West Coast. Once everything is in Seattle, the gondola will make its final leg of the journey up through the Inside Passage to Juneau. The Juneau Assembly discussed a conveyance of land on Telephone Hill from the state to the city this week. The city plans on development of Telephone Hill for legislative and other housing downtown. Mayor Beth Weldon explained. As people may or may not know that we're going to convey that property from the State Department of Natural Resources, we do not have it in possession yet. Um, but as part of the process, the state um, gave notice to the renters of eviction, and uh, we moved forward, gave staff direction to forward this once we have the land to Lands, Housing, and Economic Development Committee to begin starting August 8th with the idea of a soft landing for the renters. So um, if they aren't already removed by the state by the time we get the property, then we're not in a hurry to remove them. 
There are a number of residents on the Hill that cooperatively lease the properties on a month-to-month basis. The state has determined that as part of the interdepartmental transfer that it must terminate the existing leases. Those notices went out on July 29th. The city manager's office has communicated to the Neighborhood Association that the city's goal is to have a public process on how to manage and redevelop the property. National Night Out in Huna was an event to remember. That's according to Huna Police Chief Eric Hurtado. He says first responders came out to show they are a part of the community. First responders uh, historically have, have been trying to bridge that gap between us versus them. Uh, we are part of the community. Uh, we don't think of us as different from the people that we serve. So this is a way that we can kind of uh, let our hair down, so to speak. Uh, we serve the community by, uh, for example, we serve hot dogs and chips and drinks and played games with uh, the community, the kids, uh, gave out prizes. Um, it's it's a wonderful way for us to really show that we are part of a community that we serve. And this is what Hurtado believes the public takes away from events like National Night Out. I think that they can see that we are people too, and you know we all live in the community that we serve. They can come up and, and talk to us and talk about the good things and the bad things. Unfortunately, um, most of the time that we talk to the people in their uh, neighborhoods is during the bad times of their lives when something tragic has happened. And we want to make sure that the community knows that we're there for uh, the good times and the bad. The U.S. Coast Guard Cutter Pike came to town for the event. Hurtado pointed out the importance of the Coast Guard to Huna and rural southeast Alaska. Coast Guard is our lifeline when uh, we are cut off from the outside uh, being an island community, we have more concerns of not being able to get either supplies or even when people are injured off the island and no other commercial flights are flying. There are way to get people that are injured or are patients that really need that, that care at the closest hospital, uh, a way to get them from Huna to one of the hospitals uh, around us. And this is what Hurtado said about his overall takeaway from the event. One of the best things that, that came out from National Night Out is the way the community were, was able to see what the first responders here are all about. There are more than just the, the three officers that are uh, full-time with the city. Our, our community depends on volunteers, and we've had a lot of volunteers step up to the plate and help serve our citizens uh, our visitors, uh, the tourists that come through Huna, and without them, uh, the, our first responders um, won't be able to serve as, as well. So we want to recognize all our volunteers, police, fire, and EMS, and thank them and also thank our community for supporting us. Huna Police Chief Eric Hurtado. The three candidates standing for the special congressional election for Alaska's U.S. House seat appeared on a candidate forum on News of the North this week. The candidates Sarah Palin, Nick Baggage, and Mary Peltola were asked their thoughts on ranked choice voting. Peltola said she thinks ranked choice voting will hopefully assist more moderates in being elected. I am very hopeful about 
the outcome of ranked choice voting. And I'm hopeful because I am not a very partisan person. And I think that primaries really um, promote getting people on the very far ends of the pendulum. And then what we have is um, a body of gov- of legislators who can't get um, to the table and they are really far apart on negotiating certain issues. And Baltola said the new system will help eliminate extremism in elections. I'm really hopeful that voters will feel like they can vote their heart and not feel pressured to vote for the candidate that they think is most, quote unquote, viable. Um, and, it, you know, my hope is that we um, shy away from the really extreme type candidates and politicians. And so I am hopeful about ranked choice voting. Palin said ranked choice voting causes confusion and needs to be repealed. Ranked choice voting is the law of the land right now, and it needs to be changed. It is just unfortunately creating such a great deal of voter confusion on how this process works, on whether votes can be trusted to be counted accurately, fairly, as we're going to you know, slide ballots through a machine, no more hand counting, uh, which doesn't make any sense to me, especially in tiny little uh, rural areas of Alaska where, you no, know, I you'd think hand counting is the best way to ensure, uh, you know, fair counting of an election instead of sticking them through a Dominion computer machine. And Palin said this is the solution. The solution is for our lawmakers to start understanding the negative ramifications that can come from ranked choice voting. Remember this, the the intention, uh, so many understand, is for this type of system to split votes so that, believe it or not, a lesser popular candidate that perhaps isn't uh, even going to do the will of the people could actually slip on in there and be the representative of Alaska. Baggage said the new system was barely approved by voters and wondered whether dark money was responsible for its passage. So I was not a fan of ranked choice voting personally. I I did not vote in favor of it. Um, It's the system that we have. Uh, Alaskans by a margin of about 1.05% approved the the ballot measure. Um, There's a lot of talk out there about whether it was the dark money provisions of that ballot measure that sort of pushed it over the edge. But, you know, we've we've got to operate in the world that we live in. And um, and so, you know, in terms of uh, its impact on this race, I think, what it does is it actually eliminates the true primary. And what we see right now is we're doing, we're effectively running a primary and a general at the same time. And, uh, and I think that, that, that creates some counterproductivity. Baggage added that the new system is a hindrance to voters' understanding of issues as well. It prevents, uh, the, the voter from being able to parse through, uh, policy positions readily. I think that, uh, you know, we're running a national experiment here in Alaska as a result of this outside money. About $10 million came into the state of Alaska as a part of this ballot measure initiative. And interestingly enough, it was predominantly dark money that funded it. All made their remarks during a debate on KINY Monday. Governor Mike Dunleavy has confirmed attendance at five debates before the November general election after receiving more than a dozen invitations. The five debates will be before the Alaska Oil and Gas Association on September 1st, the Alaska Chamber on September 21st, the Resource Development Council for Alaska on October 11th, the debate for the state on October 19th, 
and the Alaska Federation of Natives annual convention on October 21st. According to Dunleavy's campaign staff, more details about the debates will be available closer to the date of the events. U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski on Tuesday voted in favor of SB 3373, an act which expands health care access and coverage for millions of veterans impacted by toxic exposures. The Senate failed to pass the bill, known as the PACT Act, last week, while Murkowski was unable to vote due to COVID. Murkowski previously voted yes on the legislation when it first passed the Senate in June of this year and has voted in favor of the measure throughout the entire process. This is a measure that I have heard from so many veterans around the state, so many of our, our service organizations, so many have come to us to share the concerns that, that those who, uh, while serving in the military, were exposed to toxic hazards, the things that come from these burn pits, uh, the chemical herbicides like Agent Orange, so they've been exposed during their, their military service, either, either knowingly or, or unknowingly. They get out of the service and, and, and now they're suffering. They're suffering from chronic health issues. The legislation ensures that military personnel who were exposed to toxic hazards and are now suffering from chronic health issues as a result can access the care and treatment they need. Visibly impaired athlete Randy Strunk from Minneapolis, Minnesota, will be competing in Ironman Alaska. She spoke with KINY Sports Director Klaus Stolpe. So, Randy, you're visibly impaired and you're doing the Ironman Alaska. Tell our listeners how that works. Yeah, so um, as a blind athlete, I use a guide, so uh, one person throughout the whole race. In the swim portion, we have a tether. It's really kind of just a piece of bungee cord um, that we have wrapped around one of our thighs and then connects us so we don't swim away from each other. And then we do the bike portion on a tandem bike. And then for the run, I have a, a tether that I just hold in my hand. And the guide will give me, you know, prompts for things like when to turn on the swim course, or she'll tell me when she's shifting the bike, um, or on the run, you know, any turns or potholes or anything like that. I have to ask you, who have you talked into suffering through all this practice and race? <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm pretty lucky that I found a couple people over the years that are crazy enough to uh, buy themselves to me for, for 15 hours. But, um, you know, triathletes uh, are a pretty great community. So Well, and they have to train with you, too, just to be able to get the right movements down with you. You know, actually, um, I don't tend to train with my guides. This particular lady I'm racing with is from Dallas, and I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So we've done one running race together, but, um, you know, we both have our own training plan, but we don't actually work together that often. So you both kind of have the same speeds for each uh, leg of the race? Yeah, so... You know, my guide really just goes with whatever my pace is. You know, as an athlete, I dictate what that pace is. You know, obviously, I have to find a guide who uh, is faster than me, kind of on their worst day, because I need them to still be able to talk and communicate. But really, um, the blind athlete dictates that pace. How many triathlons have you completed as visually impaired? Oh, geez, I've probably done at least 10. Um, and the Ironman Alaska would be my third full-distance Ironman. 
again. Well, I have trouble staying balanced on a run as a sighted athlete. So being visibly impaired, do you see this as a hindrance, or do you see this just as part of who you are as an athlete? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I've always been blind, um, you know, various levels of vision throughout my life. But um, yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, I don't know anything different. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.